The scripture for today's sermon comes from Mark 8, 1 through 21. And the word of God speaks to us like this. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautious, cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is the very word of God to us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't had a chance to, to meet you, I would be honored. I would really love it. It is a treat meeting people each and every week and and continuing to see who God brings to this place. One of the great joys I have in my position is just getting to, to see the faces and actually uh, hear the stories of so many of you. And so it would be an honor. I would love it just as Jeff was mentioning a second ago. What I want to do right now is pray for you and, and our time together. And I want you to pray for me and, and as we walk through this text. And, and what we're really asking is for the Lord to meet us. And so would you join me in that? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for uh, just 
what you are doing, what you have done, and what you promise to do in the future. We're asking for you to meet us and lead us this morning, that we wouldn't be religious people, that we wouldn't just go through the motions, that we wouldn't try to clean ourselves up, but we would look to you, the risen one. And so meet us this morning. We pray these things for your name to be high and lifted up. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe you're like me. When I, I first came to this passage, I was like, wait, didn't we, didn't we talk about this a few weeks ago? Didn't we just have a miraculous feeding of thousands of people? Didn't we just go through a section like that? And the answer is yes. Mark chapter 6 has a feeding of 5,000. And, and some people are like, well, it's just a repeating of the same story. And yet Jesus does not treat it as that. It is a different miraculous feeding in a different region with different people, uh, just different backgrounds altogether, even different numbers. And yet God uh, compassionately, lovingly, mercifully provides and meets them in this. I don't think the... the I don't think the problem is that it's repeating itself. It's like, again, do we have that? Maybe you grew up in a, in a church environment in which it was like, hey, we talk about three stories. We talk about Adam and Eve. We talk about David and Goliath. And we talk about Jonah and the whale. And then it all somehow relates back to Jesus. And those are the three stories that we keep looping through. And maybe you're here with us this morning thinking like, oh, they're just getting to the hits and they're just getting to the hits and Jesus feeds more people, all those things. I really don't think that's what's happening. I think this text right here actually speaks again and again and again to people who just keep kind of falling on their face. That's what we see in our text. That's what I certainly know in my own life. And I think if we were to be honest, you might be able to relate to as well. Someone who is like, yeah, I want, I want these things, but keep struggling and falling again and again. It, this text speaks to those who might just be feeling like they're running on fumes or even feeling like when you get real quiet, when you get in those real quiet spots, like, can God, can God really forgive me again? Well, this text is good news. And this text actually embodies something. It, it, it paints a picture of something really beautiful. It shows us that this Jesus, this one who changes everything, this king who has come is far more beautiful, far more caring, and able to do far more than we even think, dream, or imagine. He is able to meet us, not just in our physical needs, but in, in the spiritual needs of our life for people who keep falling on their faces. And so how we're going to break this down this morning is, is just kind of twofold. We're going to make short work of 1 through 13. We want to run through that pretty quickly, this story of the miraculous feeding. We're not skipping it as if it's unimportant, but I think where the real meat for us lies is in this next, this back half of it. And what you'll find right in the middle of it is Jesus comes to these disciples, these people who are followers of him, and he's just asking a real basic question. He just keeps coming to them. He's like, do you not have ears to hear? Have you not seen what I'm doing right in front of you? Do you not understand what's, what's happening right there? And it's interesting because the questions for these followers are not just for those guys on the boat. It's for us this morning. Do you not see what God's doing right in front of you? Have you not heard what God is stirring? 
He's right here to meet you. And we want to walk in it. The last half kind of brings answer to those questions. It brings answer to it in a, in a really profound way for us that we hope that we, we can see God meet us. But this morning, I want to start before we, as, as just like an introduction to all that, I, I just want to start with a, a different question that seems really obvious if we come to this and think, wait, why in chapter six did we have a feeding? And now at the beginning of eight, we have another feeding. Why are we getting this again and again and again? And why does Jesus not just give them what they're asking for? They're asking for a sign. He's obviously able to do really cool things. Why does he not just like drop it right in front of him? There's the bread truck. Okay, here it is is right here. Why does a person who's able to feed 5,000 and then 4,000 later not just give them the sign that they're asking for? They're in the, they're in the space. They have all these longings. They have all these the, these difficulties right before them. They're obviously hungry. The, the Pharisees show up in this desolate spot. And, and then they have all these other things that are, are just distractions. They're, they're just imitations of real satisfying things. And like, why does Jesus not just drop the, the miracle in, in bright lights right in front of them and, and, and just do it and, and stop the questions? I think this is helpful for us. So pick it up with me. It, it, well, before we get there, let me, th- let me just back up for a second. It, like, if we think about these first 13 verses, they're here, they're in this space out there. They're, they're, Jesus is teaching, crowds are following. They've heard all the stories and they are, they, they're hungry now and Jesus sees it, has compassion on them, right? They're there. They're people, they're human beings in this space. And then, and then you have this, this space that's described as that, that desolate space that's out there. And, and they're, they're just in a spot with no, there's no on-cue around. There's no on-cue for them to run out and get it. There's no, there's no grocery store. There's no super saver for them to get their stuff. There's no dollar general right around the corner. And so they're out there in this desolate space with real longings. And then it's like, hey, give us something to satisfy us. All those questions are really present in this moment. And then Jesus does provide food for them. He does provide food. In a shocking way, the Pharisees, the religious people do show up and then they start asking these questions of like, hey, Jesus, you're gonna need to prove yourself. And you can kind of feel it, right? You can feel the arms crossed. Jesus, why don't you show us that you really are who you say you are? Remember, 9,000 people have been fed. Show us that you are who you say you are right here in this spot. Give us a sign to show us all of these things. And you can kind of feel this moment happening right here. And Jesus looks at them. He's like, do you not understand what's what's right here? (laughs) Do you not understand? And it tells us that he gets in the boat and he goes away. And where this picks up in verse 14 is Jesus in this discussion with these followers, with his followers that are on the boat. Here's a quiet moment on the boat where we pick it up. Notice what he says in verse 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 
It's like, are you kidding me? The one thing that happens right here, they, there's like actual people fed. They have leftovers. They get in, in the boat and they leave and the guys forgot the bread. It's like, this is ridiculous. Like of all the things, how do you forget the bread? Listen to me. I am not a person who forgets my leftovers. I'm not a person who forgets my leftovers. This just does not happen in my life. My, my daughter went for pizza last night and I'm like, you better bring me some leftovers in this. You better bring some pizza home in this. I am not a person who forgets my leftovers. These guys forget the bread in this miraculous moment. If nothing else, you take that bread as a souvenir. They forgot the bread. That's the first thing that happens. And he cautioned them, verse 15, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So catch this real fast. You get a, a moment of explanation of what the scene on the boat is like. The dudes forgot the bread. And then you get this word from Jesus, which is a warning about leaven, which is a metaphor that's happening, okay? So this is a, a picture of a warning that Jesus is giving. And leaven has to do with what? Bread and yeast and the, the stuff that makes the bread rise. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus is giving this warning right here for them. Sometimes leaven is, is a beautiful thing. It, it, it actually brings life to the bread, right? But the Bible often uses yeast and leaven in the, the opposite sense of referencing the evil that gets put into things and the evil that's out there. And Jesus is warning right here and saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, those guys that showed up, right? Those religious ones who are like adding all this stuff to it. The ones who just came in the verses right before and said, God, give us a sign. Prove yourself. Prove yourself. Beware of, of coming to God and having him prove himself. And then he says, beware of the leaven of Herod. Well, what's that? Herod's the ruler of this place, but he's kind of this despicable dude. He's probably just like a normal dude in so many ways. He just has means and, and the ability to go after whatever his heart desires anymore. And if you think about it, you're like, the leaven of Herod, Herod is just satisfying himself in whatever the world can offer. He even kills John the Baptist that we talked about a couple weeks ago. He even kills John the Baptist just on a whim to keep people happy around him. It's just like whatever, whatever can satisfy for the moment, Herod's going after. So you've got these other people who are super religious and this, and this dude, Herod, who's just going after whatever seems to make sense out of it. And Jesus is on the boat with these guys that have forgotten the bread. And he says, beware of all this other stuff, all these things. Beware of going after the signs and beware of going after just satisfying yourself. All of it. But I can't, I can't move past without just saying like, they forgot the bread. Are you kidding me? How does that happen? How does it happen? It's one for us. It's one thing for us to say like, God, why did you not send a sign in this moment? It's another question just to ask of like, how on earth could they have forgotten in this moment? How did the ones who said that they're followers forget 
But we've been there, right? We understand that. I can ask this question, and I was thinking about it this week, like, how on earth did those guys forget? And then I recognize all the times that I'm faced with something, the question that comes in class, the question in our life, it, it comes to us, and then I can turn it into all these complexities and tie myself in knots trying to answer it and then miss the basic, most simple answer right there. We can tie it all, we can tie it all up and make it more complicated than it has to be. We do this in so many ways. And yet, think about what's happening. These guys forgot the, the bread. They're now arguing about the bread. And Jesus, the bread of life, is right in front of them. The provider for 9,000 plus people is right there. And they're looking around saying, you dummy forgot the bread. That's the moment where we find ourselves, right here on the boat. Verse 16 says this. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Good job, fellas. They began discussing. Here's how that discussion played out, I think. We didn't forget the bread you forgot the bread. We didn't forget it. You forgot it. We didn't do this. You, you did this. And you start pointing fingers and you start arguing about who's at fault. And you start saying, like, this is what happened. And they're all just like inventing ways to miss the point in this moment. They began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And here's the next line, verse 17. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Man, I'm going to read it in a tone that's probably not accurate. Jesus is far more caring than I am. He's far more compassionate and kind. But like, I can't help it. Like, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? He just keeps making it so apparent. Your problem isn't that you forgot the bread because you have the miracle provider of all of it right here next to you. Why are you even describing that? Why are you even uh, having this discussion? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? You see, if the, if the Pharisees are coming and demanding some sort of spiritual sp fireworks to come and rain down as a sign, the disciples are left just kind of looking at their feet and saying, where are the crumbs? And they're both missing the point in, in really profound ways. See, one group is asking for too much. And they miss the point because they're going after something spectacular. And this other group is asking for too little because they just keep kind of thinking about their bellies and, and thinking about exactly what is there. And yet they're debating all of this while the bread of life is right in front of them. Right in front of them. 
And this is where this account starts to get really particular, right? This is where the text starts to read us and not the other way around. This is where it starts to open up our life and get very difficult for us. And we need to be aware of it. We need to recognize like, oh, wait, this isn't about them anymore on a boat. This is about me. And this is where I am right here falling into these same traps again and again and again, because I can get distracted and invent ways of missing the point with the best of them. With the best of them. Don't we do this? Don't we, don't we run after our, our own longings? And it might not be food in a, in a far off spot. It might not be food issues, but we certainly run after things to, to validate us, to make us feel better about ourselves, to, to get us more followers or likes. We do things to like in, inflate our ego or, or our view of ourselves. that we're going after different symbols or signs because we have these longings that we're trying to fill while all the while... This Jesus is right there who answers all of those things. Or maybe you find yourself in a desolate place and it's not in some far off remote section of Israel. It's just in this place in Yukon. But you find yourself in a really desolate place in your heart because you think like my condition is desperate and I have no hope. I, I really have no hope in this. How is God going to fix this? And you find yourself in this desolate spot where you feel alone and you're, you're looking around saying, this is something I can't solve for myself. And we get ourselves into these same moments where we're in a desolate spot. And it, it's, it's these questions that Jesus asks that starts to really press on us. Do you not see all the ways that God has been at work in your life? your heart hardened to what he's been doing all around you this whole time? And, and that third question that he asks is really important for us. Do you not remember? Friends, this Jesus who fed thousands of people who meets their needs and stands before them as the one bread of life who isn't tapped out on his supply. He's actually right there and limitless is still right before you saying, do you not see I'm here to meet these longings. I'm here to meet you in your desperate spot. I'm here to satisfy you. You don't have to run to all these cheap imitations. I'm right here right before you. We run to money and we think that having a certain amount in the bank, whatever that is, and it's different. We, 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 if we just had this much and that just, if we just had this much always changes, right? We think that the certain job or the, this next thing would satisfy, it would, it would hit all of those things, all, all the itches that need to be scratched. This job, this place, this home, this, this thing would answer all of those things. We, we run to alcohol or sex or drugs or porn or different things to try to fill up longings in our life that were never meant to satisfy. They were never meant to fill you up. They were never meant to, to meet these needs. We might even run to someone else. Friends, we look to politics 
to answer all that we feel like is shortcoming in our life, in our world, in our culture, and in our country. We think that if, oh, if, if, this, if this would just happen, if this party, if this rule, if this thing would just do it, it would end all of our problems and, and, and satisfy all these longings. It will not. It was not intended to. We can even do the exact same with religion. If I just clean myself up, if I just go to the right spot at the right time and we sing the right songs and I pray the right prayer and I really mean it that time and I really get there, friends, all of those things just lead to this again and again and again of falling on our face and missing the point. When the living one is right before you, offering himself, offering a feast, and saying, come to me and be satisfied. Come to me and be satisfied. When I think about it again and again, the reason I'm unfulfilled often, the reason I find myself distracted is that I keep looking for signs and significance in places and things that were never intended to satisfy. You see, Jesus is... A follower of Jesus is not going to live on this spectacular mountaintop at all times. There are not always signs. There are sometimes, and there are moments in which the Lord moves in power in remarkable ways that we can testify to and actually shout again and again stories that should be written down and shared broadly of real signs that God is working. But they're not something that we're looking for every day as if, God, prove yourself. Give me another sign today. And yet it's also not moments of just boredom where we're, we're living in these mundane lives saying, God, one day we're going to go to heaven and then it's going to be fun. It's not just, it's not begging for a sign or sitting there looking for breadcrumbs. It's God who meets us in these everyday spaces and places and brings life and beauty and significance and hope to those spaces. It's this God who brings hope. Who brings his presence and he meets us. It's what takes a small group or a community group and, and brings something to that that no one expected. It takes it from just being a group of people who come together at someone's home and sometimes it's awkward and not, and then it changes it in an instant. No one saw it coming, no one really expected that, and yet. God brought life to something ordinary. It's when people come and they're serving together and they're, they're sweating and they're uncomfortable and they're stretched beyond what they, they really signed up for or wanted. And yet God meets them in that and takes something ordinary and makes it beautiful. It's God at work in these things. And Jesus is still right here right before them and right before us on this boat saying, do you not remember all the ways that I've met you and provided for you in each of these spaces? Look what he says in verse 19. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said seven. Now catch this. He provided in abundance even more. How many did you take up? Twelve, seven of them. 
Verse 21, and he said to them, do you not yet understand? It really isn't about the bread. It's about the one that's right in front of them. And friends, in just a moment, we're going to come to a table full of bread, but it's not just about this bread. It's about meeting with the living God. And so back to my question from the very beginning, why did God, why did this Jesus not just give them what they were asking for? Why did the one who uh, had given 9,000 people a meal and then more so in abundance, why did he not just drop a sign? And here's the answer, because he is standing right before them. The sign is right there standing in front of them. And what if the sign that you've been looking for is right before you? Right before you. What if what you're, you've been seeking to meet some need to, to fill you up or, or just to be breadcrumbs in your life right now has actually already been broken open for you? And you've just been missing it. You see, the Pharisees, the disciples, even the people in the field had to deal with the man, Jesus Christ. The people in the field were fed by Jesus. The Pharisees were coming for a sign from Jesus. The disciples were were on the boat with Jesus and still distracted again and again and again. And regardless of what type of spectacular sign you might get or what meal you forgot, you still have to deal with Jesus. There's no getting around it. You and I still have to deal with Jesus. And so uh, while I find myself running again and again and again to breadcrumbs, it's this one who is right there who will never leave. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never turn his back on you. And while you might be chasing after breadcrumbs in all different spots, this Jesus will always provide for you. While you might find yourself or feel today like you're in a desolate spot, like you are, you are desperate out there, this Jesus sees you, has compassion on you, and offers himself to you to meet those things. He stands and he says, have you not heard? Do you not see? This Jesus meets us. Sin will not have the last word, but the verdict of Jesus will stand. The words of Jesus of, these are my people. This is the one. I've covered them with my my life. I've met them, I've satisfied them. And because this is like all salvation, salvation, this hope that we have, this rescue, every bit of it is all grace. Because it is all grace, the the single mother who recently told me that she had made a mess out of everything that she had ever touched, that single mother can find hope. Because she hasn't messed up too far for God. 
the widow who told me a while back who, who said, I have, I have nothing to offer this place. I have nothing for this. That widow can find hope. She can find fulfillment. She finds purpose because the one who will never let her go can satisfy those longings. The man who sold out his integrity long ago when no one was looking. The man who A man who gave up his integrity. I sat with him the other night. And we sat and we said, this Jesus can bring beauty from all this brokenness. And maybe you're like me. And you have a spiritual limp. A limp that just comes from continually stubbing your toe or worse, where you continually trip over the same things. And you're like, God, I want to be faithful and I want to be someone who is, is a rock. And yet all I do is I feel like I just keep stumbling again and again over the same things. Friends, if if you're one with a spiritual limp, like there's good news. This Jesus is here. And he says, I have you. This one who straightens legs and clears paths has you and is going before you. And you might be thinking, Rightly so, you might be like, but how? Those are nice words, Chad. That's like stained glass stuff. How does that actually work in our lives? Well, for these people, for that single mom, for that man who sold out long ago, for all those people and for the limpers among us, all of it, it is actually the same thing. It's not our strength. It's not praying the prayer and really meaning it. It's not, did you walk forward and raise your hand? It's actually, did you stop and you, you cry out and you said, Jesus, I'm a mess and I need you. It's repenting and turning from our sin. It's clinging to the only one who can satisfy because that one is already clinging to us. It's not your own grip strength. It's not your own ability to make something beautiful out of your life. It's this God who meets us in those longings, in those desolate places, in the brokenness of our life. He meets us. It's the one who brings beauty from brokenness. It's the one who, who brings life from death. And it's the one who offers a feast right in the midst of failure. Will you pray with me?